Welcome to the Forging Honor Podcast. I'm Jonathan George. And I'm Benjamin Jones. Here at The Forge, we explore what it means to live as Christian men. Along the way, we'll be doing habit-forming challenges to build character through action. We are by no means experts, just two young Christian men trying to make sense of a wild world. That's right. We do our best to learn and hope you'll join us on the journey. And if you want to get directly involved, go to forginghonor.com to find information on how to join our community. This is episode 29, Living with God's Word. All right. The current challenge uh, is reading scripture every day. Uh, that's all we've said about it. We don't have a specific time or a specific amount of time. It's just read it every day. Um, we're doing these episodes to inform um, how you might do that or, or give you some ideas about how to approach that. But Banjo, how have you been doing? I've been doing much better. Um, I, th- I think, um, and I, I've been slacking off in the Discord, uh, I realize, so I need to get better about that. But I, my current tally is is i believe eight i think i missed i missed two days this week based uh, on our, our out of 10 out of 10 yeah out, of, out yeah. of the 10 situation uh which is a market improvement from last week so i'm i'm happy about that and i'm gonna i'm gonna take that win and i'm gonna run with it um but how about you how's how's that been going we are we are two for two on 100 percent Ooh, very so, nice. I'm, I'm, I'm beating Banjo finally this is <laughs> everything's a competition i'm finally winning <laughs> So excited about that. I'm sure there's a scripture verse about that, but having missed two days, I wouldn't know. Fair enough. Today, we have Jamie Crampton joining us. Jamie, or James as he's sometimes called, grew up in Tupelo, Mississippi, and he now serves as head pastor at Parish Presbyterian Church in Franklin, Tennessee. He is a graduate of Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary in Grand Rapids, Michigan, with a Master's of Divinity. For his undergraduate degree, he attended New College Franklin in Franklin, Tennessee. Jamie's ministry has been shaped by different forms of teaching. He taught Latin to elementary students at Foundations Christian Academy, coached recreational gymnastics at Let It Shine Gymnastics, and taught in various ways in the church. He's married to Audrey, and they have three children. Welcome, Jamie. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, you're welcome. Apparently, I need to update my um, bio on the church because I have four children. So That's right. That's right. I should, I should know that. I'm your, uh, I'm your brother-in-law. I should know that. <laughs> well, I should update that. You gotta <laughs> gotta keep track of those things, Jamie. Yeah. We're really glad to to have you and excited to get to talk to you. We were talking just a little bit before we hit record about um, teaching, and and uh, this is my first year teaching full time, and so uh, as you know, that's a whole kind of routine that you have to get into, and and you have to develop a system, um, or so I'm told. <laughs> um, and otherwise, you can't survive, and. Um, for me, uh, the last you know uh, six months of, of teaching has, has really been me trying to understand what kind of routines I need, what kind of systems I need to get into in order to you know survive the chaos of a school day. Um, and as as we've been working over the last couple of weeks through this idea of you know uh, being in the Word constantly and and uh, kind of being nurtured by it, um, one of the tendencies that I fall into in the habit of scripture reading is it's just a habit. It's just a routine. It's just a thing to, to check off the chore list. Um, in your day-to-day experience, um, had, is that a thing you've ever struggled with? Is there a way that you've brought it back to life? Are there, are there things that we can do to make it more 
uh, not to make it more engaging, I guess, but um, to appreciate it for what it is? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it's a good problem to say, you know, this is a habit <laughs> and I'm just doing it because it's a habit. Um, Aristotle said that habits are second nature. It just becomes part of who you are. And I think the struggle of it just being a habit is a good foundation. You've already laid a foundation if, if that's the habit. Um, but yeah, revitalizing it is, is crucial. And I think part of that really comes through prayer and engaging with the word. Um, I would usually just pick up my Bible. Um, I always woke up late for whatever I'm going to. And so, okay, I'm going to grab the Bible and make sure I read this first. Um, and I would just start reading for the sake of doing it and not pray beforehand. And I think one of the the vital things is a reminder of what am I doing this morning when I open my Bible? Why am I doing it? God, would you show me who I am? Would you show me who you are? And would you change me by what you show me in your word? Whether it's something I'm really excited about reading and it's a good story, or I'm in a genealogy in Chronicles. Okay, well, there's some reason that it's here in the Bible. We have nine chapters of names. <laughs> And so reading through that, you have to ask, why did God put this for all the generations of his people? And one simple thing you can get from that is God cares about people. God cares about these names. I don't care. <laughs> I get up in the morning. Here's a list of names. Why wasn't I reading a more exciting chapter this morning? But God cared enough about those people to put their names in scripture. And so there are just little things you can do like that, asking the question if you're in a passage like uh, a genealogy, why is this here? God, you're revealing yourself in some way to all of your people for all the ages. What are you telling me about yourself? So I think prayer is really one of the crucial ways of doing it um, because it takes it from, here's my assignment, <laughs> you're, you're a teacher. Um, as a student, there were a lot of books that we read that I ended up loving but I did not love them when they were assigned in school. <laughs> so if you can change it from this is the assignment I have in the morning to, okay, I get an opportunity to meet with the living God and go into the presence of the one who has loved me. And so doing that with prayer, I think is one of the, for me personally, that, that has been a difference. Am I praying at the beginning and during and after, or am I just um, reading the Bible? And that has made quite a big difference. In a small way, that's that's a really helpful point. That that dialogue that's happening there. First off, let me say nothing makes me happier than when somebody begins a sentence with Aristotle says um, <laughs> that that just brings much delight uh, to me. Um, speaking of Aristotle um, and and thinking of you know his idea of the of the golden mean and and swinging from one thing to the other, mm -hmm. um, you know on the on the one hand. Uh, I can, I, I feel like I fall prey to, well, it's a chore, it's a habit, it's a task. Um, as, as a stodgy, uh, stuck up Presbyterian, um, I don't often fall into the other category of, uh, or at least I don't think I do, um, of, of treating, maybe I do, of, of treating kind of my Bible reading time as like this, uh, this I Ching, uh, from God, uh, of like, you know, I opened my book today and, and God spoke to me and said, mm -hmm. um, these things, um, how, could you, could you talk to, um, what, uh, to the, um, stumbling over my words, could you talk to the difference between, you know, uh, being attentive to God's word, 
treating it as living and active, you know, as a two-edged sword, um, but also not treating it maybe flippantly. Flippantly, what's the what's the reverence that we should bring to God's word in the midst of that sort of prayerful dialogue? Yeah, that's a really good question. And there's one one help of, you know, you can kind of treat it as this is a magic code, and what is God telling me today? And Peter actually deals with that, and he said, no scripture is given for private interpretation. So when God wrote parts of the Bible, he didn't do it so that you would know, I should marry Audrey, because if I do this backwards, then, or, or if you're just looking for where should I move, or if you're asking these kind of private questions, um, Peter tells us that's not why the Bible was given. It's given so that every Christian who has ever lived, Old Testament, New Testament, can know who is God, how am I made right with God, how can I live unto him? So that that's one, if you just take, you know, what does the Bible say about itself? Well, the Bible is given to all of God's people for all time. And so we don't come, um, when I was growing up, there were some phrases like, uh, Jesus is my boyfriend or things like that. And I haven't heard those in a long time. But that sort of kind of flippant approach towards like, this is my buddy. Well, he is our friend. He's our savior, but he's also our Lord and our God who sits on the throne of heaven and earth. So we should be approaching it with um, a reverence and awe is the phrase that Hebrews uses as we come to God. But also that doesn't mean, and the other danger is to say like, because this is, you know, Presbyterians are more in danger of this. This is God's truth for all time. It's good doctrine. It's here for all times. It will always be true. It's never going to change. Therefore, you know, let's not talk about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's confusing and uncomfortable and the charismatics do that. But like, no, the Bible is given because it's true for all times. It is true for our time and true for our lives. Um, and so we, we should also be approaching it in the sense of, Everything that is here of God that's revealed for God is revealed also for my benefit. It says that in Romans. Um, the things that were written beforehand were written for our comfort and instruction. So we are to come to the Bible and say, I am just brokenhearted this week. God, would you please give me comfort from your word? I am confused. God, would you please give light from your word? So we should come bringing ourselves and our situations to the Bible. Making sure the Bible speaks to us and not us kind of saying, I would like the Bible to say this <laughs> and bringing our own, we can call it interpretations, but sometimes we can read into the Bible what we're looking for already. Benji, do you have anything to, to add to that? No, I just, it's, I'm soaking it in because it's, I, I, I think it's really helpful and really well said. And I, I think, uh, yeah, that, that, personal comfort that comes from scripture and um you know one of the things that i am, i'm thinking about is as uh you're talking about these things jamie is just the the humility that humility that's required in coming to scripture and the um the you know this the the combination of both awe and and reverence but but also there's that that other humility that that isn't um that isn't saying, you know, I'm, I'm so unworthy of God can't even speak to mm -hmm. me. Um, but in, uh, instead, you know, uh, a, a humility that's informed by 
the God of the universe, um, you know, humbling himself in this way. Um, and, and I think that's a really, uh, yeah, that's just really helpful. So yeah, no, JJ, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm chewing on all this. I gotta, I gotta digest. You got some good questions to that's give me more to digest. There's definitely, um, I don't know. It's worth, it's worth slowing down, which kind of, I think is a, as a habit, I have the opposite problem of, um, so you, you're encouraging Jamie. It sounds like, um, entering in, in a sense, this is something we talked about, uh, with our last guest, Christian, um, kind of that entering in that desiring of the word seems to be a common theme. Um, I do think it, as, as Banjo started out with, like, it's all too easy just to turn it into this, this habit that you want to check a box. Like I literally will check a box in order to keep myself on schedule. Um, so you, you mentioned starting with prayer as a major way to do this. Are there other practical things that you would do to force yourself to slow down? Hmm. Um, yes, I do. <laughs> um, but it's cheating. If you use a different language, you really have to slow down. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work for me. Sorry. <laughs> Um, another option you could do is just scripture memory, um, or there's, so scripture memory makes you state it so many times that you'll be saying a verse, um, you will say something like, um, for God demonstrates his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But you might mess up the wording a couple times and then start realizing, wait, it doesn't say God shows his love, God demonstrates. Why does he use the word demonstrate here? It's talking about the cross of Jesus as a demonstration of the love of God. And then it's drawing attention to the fact that it's before we ever showed any concern for him while we were yet sinners or while we were still weak, actually, is what it uses. Wait, why doesn't it say sinners? There? So you can start having a dialogue and a conversation, especially if you do scripture memory. And one good way to do that is if you're reading through a chapter of the Bible, okay, where's this one, where's one verse that was significant that it, it stood out to me. Okay, I'm going to memorize or just write that verse down and take it with me today and look over it. And if you're trying to memorize it, so like in Romans uh, chapter five, verse eight, you have while we were still weak. Why does it say while we were still weak? Like I just quoted it the wrong way while we were still sinners. It doesn't say sinners there. It says while we're still weak. Anyway, there's just some really interesting things. And as you start memorizing, it makes you pause on the individual wording and realize I substituted different words without thinking about it. But why does it use these words? Why is it in this order? Where is it coming before or after? So paying attention to the organization of scripture, especially if you're reading the gospels, um, there is commentary on the verses. If you look at this parable is after this parable or what comes before this part of the story of Jesus's life and what comes after. Um, so that if you start paying attention to things like that, um, doing more Bible study, it'll slow you down. And there are some tools um, for this. So our pastor, George Grant, has the keystones where he just says, okay, here's Matthew chapter one. And then he has you write down observations from Matthew chapter one. And then there's a section of, okay, now you should um, think about that, meditate on those. And then you have, now pray through it. Okay, where's Jesus in this? And then there's a memory verse and there's a question of how can I apply this in my life? So he has it set up to where you actually have to stop and start not just read through, 
the text that day, but also start interacting and engaging with it. And basically any tool that makes you slow down, that could be scripture memory, it could be prayer, it could be a journal, anything that will make you slow down is very helpful because then you have to help the word or give space for the word to go into you, not only into your brain for a minute while you're listening or reading. So, but basically anything that slows you down. That makes sense. Uh, I like what you're saying about the interact and engage. Um, so you had things, the memorization, the prayer, the journaling, the, the keystones as, as a study guide. Um, I, what you were saying about the commentary on itself, like scripture kind of has its, like the way the parables are ordered. Um, I hadn't really thought of that before, actually, just because of the, I, I'm used to looking to outside resources, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that rings true with what you were saying about, right? Scripture talks about itself. Scripture says, uh, like you were saying earlier, it's for God's people for all time. Scripture, so that's that's a self commentary going on there, and you got that directly from Scripture. Um, are there are there things that you do when you're reading to start to recognize that, or is that something that just comes with time? Yes, there are things. Um, I'll just give one example. Um, as you start going through, and you should always start with an actual reading of the text. Um, in our culture, we don't really value, and you can even see this in our church services we don't spend a lot of time just reading a passage. Um, we have a trimmed down service because we have multiple services right now in our church, but there is high value in more Eastern cultures of just reading Mm. and okay, we're going to sit here and read for 10 minutes from a text. If we had a church service where we spent 10 minutes reading Bible verses, it would be like, everybody, my kids are antsy. What are we doing? Can we move on to the next segment? It it would be uncomfortable. Um, But always just start with a reading. And another thing that you could do is reading out loud. Mm. Um, Especially William Tyndale, when he translated scripture, was very careful to, how does this sound? Does this sound right in English? And so as you read the Bible, a lot of Tyndale's language is still there and it's beautiful and poetic. So one thing to help you is read this out loud. Um, But the Beatitudes, so Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the whole gospel is shown in the structure of the Beatitudes. So the first Beatitude that Jesus has, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So where does Christianity start? You have nothing. (laughs) You are poor. And that's who Jesus says, you know, the gospel is coming for you. The second one, blessed are those who mourn. Okay, I have nothing, but also I'm guilty. So there is a brokenness over sin. There's an aspect of repentance that's there, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. I have nothing, except I have sinned. Where does that lead me? I should be meek or humble or lowly. And Jesus says, they will inherit the earth. And then the last of those is, okay, I don't have much. I'm guilty. I'm humble. But now I hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then Jesus says, for they shall be filled with righteousness. And then there's a turn in the Beatitudes to positive character traits. Blessed are the merciful. Wait, wait, wait. I thought they were poor and they were mourning. Yeah, but now they're actually beginning to reflect the character of God in Jesus. And they become merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. Wait, I thought you said they were those who mourn and are poor and have nothing and hungry. Yeah, but now there's a growth. And there is actually a purity in the heart of the believer. For they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So you see an outworking of holiness in the Beatitudes, and it ends with this. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
So then they have so much, they were earlier the people that were hungry for righteousness, but then by the end of the Beatitudes, they are so righteous that people hate them and are persecuting them. And Jesus said, they're blessed and theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So that's one way you can just ask, um, one good question of scripture is what is the, why is it written in this order? And you can start realizing there's a lot going on in even how the Bible lays is laid out. It's on purpose. <laughs> That's really cool. I, I hadn't thought of that with the Beatitudes or, or heard that before with the Beatitudes, but that makes a lot of sense starting with that question of why this order. Um, I, I think there's, there's a lot there that, you know, we, we will take that on from um, like liturgy, I guess is where I'm going with this. Um, if we just, if we just adopt whatever liturgy our church, our local church has uh, that may or may not necessarily be informed by scripture. And, and in most cases we hope it would be. Um, but are there particular um, speaking of with the order of things, are there particular liturgies that you, um, would draw from or particular, like, uh, we had a uh, Christian brewer mentioned, um, uh, I think, was it, was it book of common prayer banjo? Um, and, and then you mentioned Valley of vision was a good, good thing. Um, are there things you would add to that? Uh, yeah. In that context. Yeah, those are really good. Um, I would just add one other be thou my vision. Um, Jonathan Gibson put this out and it was in 2020. So we're all stuck at home. Everybody's miserable. <laughs> so we're stuck at home. We're not going to church. And he said, you know what? My own devotional life just privately is pretty poor right now. So he put it together for his own um, daily worship. But he basically pulled, he is a scholar of the liturgies from the Reformation. So he his putting together a private liturgy is a lot different than most of us putting together our own liturgies. He's drawing from all the Reformation, which was drawing from the church fathers and the rest of church history. But he put together, here are just some church liturgies, um, worship liturgies, which follow the, the pattern of the historical liturgy, which is God calls us to worship. And there's a mixture here, but there's a confession of sin, assurance of pardon from the scripture, which is a gospel reading. Um, there is a creed. There is a scripture reading. There's some sort of commentary. So he put in um, some confessions there. And then you end with a benediction, a blessing from the Lord. And that is a really rich, if you do that on your own, where you're doing, you, you have your one um, Bible chapter to read from the Bible, and then you go through the liturgy for the rest of it. It is a really rich, it's a whole worship experience. So basically we're pulling in elements from all of the Bible when you do that. So if you're only reading one chapter, you might be missing out on a lot of other sections or emphases of the Bible. Um, so that just gives you like this encapsulate, encapsulates the whole worship of the Bible in one little sitting. So that's a really great uh, format. Um, and also, I just want to echo what JJ said about the Beatitudes. Like, I I want to just call a pause and just just start a Bible study now because I'm now I want to keep going with the rest <laughs> of, of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, but not having time for that. Um, uh, one of the things that you said there, uh, just in conjunction with with that liturgy, is you know um, a, a reading of the creed of a creed next to next to scripture. Uh, I wanted to ask in in what way would you suggest um, either the use of creeds uh, informing our reading of scripture? Is that is that a thing you recommend? Um, kind of coming alongside. Um, 
obviously don't want to like replace scripture reading <laughs> with with the creeds. Yeah, I just um, do devotions from the Westminster Confession every right. morning. So <laughs> just, just the, I just do the Book of Church Order that really guides my day. Yes, um, no, but see. how yeah, how would you uh, recommend one going about that? It's a fantastic. Um, uh, Jonathan, you mentioned commentary. If you're going to be reading the Bible in a commentary, a really good theological commentary would be a confession or a creed um, alongside. So that will just keep you, the point of the creeds were to say, what is what does the whole Bible teach on these central questions? Who is God? Who am I? How are we saved? Who is Jesus? How do we live to him? And then some of them also dealt with things like, what about government, which we all have questions about how does a Christian live in relation to government? What about marriage? What about family? Um, what about the last judgment? So really what a confession is doing is trying to be um, a shorthand summary teaching of the entire Bible. So it's really helpful to say, you know, I'm reading, if we're in the Beatitudes, I'm reading Matthew 5 today, but there's a lot more. And the, the, what a creed or a confession will do is bring in the whole teaching of scripture. So Really what the best value I've, um, B.B. Warfield said this, and I found it to ring true. He said, I don't subscribe to the Westminster Confession um, because it's really good and, and so it must be true. He said, I subscribe to the Westminster Confession because it's what the Bible says. <laughs> when I read the Bible and, I were, and, and when I'm trying to summarize it, I come out with the Westminster Confession. So yeah, it's not a um, replacement for scripture. It's not you know, watch out because sometimes the Bible might be wrong. So you need to correct it with the Westminster confession. <laughs> you know, obviously that's not what it's for, but I find it to be a really valuable summary of what the Bible says. So, yeah, that's, that's good to know. Um, one of the, uh, something that sparked in my head is you're thinking about, you know, what we use, uh, so you're talking about you know, what we use these creeds for is kind of like maybe these guard, not guard rails so much, but, um, maybe these reference points and these these uh, ways to interpret um, and, and kind of help our understanding of complicated things. Um, one of the things that I've been working through kind of with uh, my kids at school is um, teaching literature. Part of what I feel like my job is, is to, is to help them interpret reality. That's, that's part of what literature is, mm. is the, is the function of purpose is to, is to give us ways of interpreting and analyzing the world. Um, and if you, one of the things I've realized is if you don't have that framework, if you don't have a way of interpreting your reality, you, you get lost really quick and you don't know what to do. Um, but it's one of those things where, you know, you don't know what you don't know. I don't know if Aristotle said that, but it sounds like something <laughs> you would say, um, maybe it's Yogi Berra. Um, either way, there's things that I'm realizing that I just don't know, um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that I know so much, um, cause I'm, uh, as, uh, Mary Oliver said, uh, I'm young, so I know everything. <laughs> um, but what are the things that, that you see maybe in your congregation or in the church at large, what are we missing when it comes to, to Bible reading? What, what should we be doing that we're not doing or, or how should we be viewing our reality that we're not when it comes to, to the scriptures? Yeah, I love that question. Um, basically, what I want to be doing the rest of my life and what I've learned, my favorite part from seminary was how to read the Old Testament 
as it's intended to be read. Mm. So I'm not here to say, um, you know, look for Jesus around every corner, but what I have been, I've found kind of a solid rock of teaching from the new and old testaments. Jesus is all throughout the old Testament intentionally. Um, so our church, we've been going through the book of Hebrews and Hebrews is such deep theology. As soon as you start studying it, you start realizing I'm looking down the Grand Canyon and I've got a 25 minute sermon to give. And I'm sorry, guys, <laughs> this is all I've got. But the amazing thing about the book of Hebrews is all of its Christology. And really, it was a formative book for the early church wrestling with who is Jesus when Arius came along and said, Jesus is God, but he's not the true God or he's not. Um, you know, we say very God of very God or true God of true God. That's because Arius said he, he is God, but in a lesser sense. So he had these little gradations of what it means to be God. And the early church really responded looking at the book of Hebrews. But here's the thing that, that amazes me. Hebrews was drawing from the Old Testament. And so when Hebrews will make a statement like um, it's the son who has now come, it's God's son who's spoken. He just says, yeah, remember Psalm 2? The Lord said to my Lord, uh, no, Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Um, and then he talks about the priesthood, it's Melchizedek, but he ties that into Psalm 2 where you have, you are my son, today I have begotten you. So the, the language of God having a son who's also his equal, who's begotten, that's not just the Christmas story, that's there in, in David's writings. Um, but even if you go further back, um, Jesus is there at, in the garden in Genesis 3. You have the seed of the woman who crushes the serpent's head, and you have something dies and they're clothed in, the, in flesh. Um, you just have, Jesus is intent, you're, you're intended to look for Jesus in the Old Testament. Who is the Messiah? And so the book of Kings is tracing Every time you have a new king, the Jews would have been asking this question in the Old Testament. Is this the guy? Is this the Messiah? Is this David's son? And then all through the Kings and Chronicles, no, 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 this guy's really good. But no, <laughs> this isn't the guy. And they're intended to be reading it that way. If you read the sacrifices, every you have in Leviticus, you have uh, five different kinds of sacrifices. Every one of those is showing an aspect of the redemption of Christ. Um, I mean, there's just, the Old Testament is jam-packed with uh, who is Jesus. And the categories you're given are a prophet and a priest and a king. And eventually it's revealed it's God's son, who is also Eve's son. Um, but basically, if I could help Christians read the Bible, I would say, please use the Old Testament. <laughs> and don't be afraid of looking for Jesus there, because the Old Testament was given to the faith of God's people before Jesus came. So they were asking the question, who's the one that's going to crush Satan's head and save us? And so when we read the Old Testament, we should be asking that question as well. That's, that's such a great, um, yeah, such a great answer. And, and uh, one of those one of those things where it's like, well, it's almost like, well, duh. But also it's like, well, why, have, why haven't you been doing it then? You know, uh, it's like, oh, well, of course I should be doing that. Well, it's not like the book came in two parts, um, you know, so why are you stuck in the New Testament? 
Um, and I, it's one of those, I, I, I love the way you're talking about it because it's one of those elements of just great writing, great storytelling when, or, you know, great blues songwriting is like this, you know, when a, when a phrase is given at the beginning of the song mm-hmm. and then it changes its meaning in the, in the second uh, verse. And then the third verse, like really, really twists it. Um, I heard someone explain great blues songs. There's this, if there's a line about a knife, the knife means to be, you know, cutting a wedding cake in the first act, uh, resting on a table in the second act, and then killing somebody in the third act. And I was like, that's, <laughs> that's a great blues song. But that's the way the scripture is. There's, it's a developing theme uh, where you're always gaining new information and that enriches and develops that information that you're getting in the, in the first act, so to speak. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's great. JJ, I don't want to, I don't want to hog all of uh, the Jamie question asking. I'm going to add one other thing on that. If you're just reading the new Testament, you're missing all the references to the knife from acts one and two. And you're, you're getting the climax, but you have no idea what it's a climax to. You say, no, no, no. Like, let me give you about 1500 years of history. It's all being, it all meets here in the birth and life and death and resurrection of Jesus. But you're missing what the authors of scripture are intentionally pulling from and drawing allusions to and showing fulfillment of. So it's watching Godfather two without ever seeing Godfather one. <laughs> exactly. Which I haven't seen either. So <laughs> we're working on that though, Banjo, we'll get there. Hey, next time you come visit me in person, that could be our, uh... I'll bring my copies set aside six hours. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, so there's, there's a lot of meat in what we've been discussing. Um, you know, we, we kind of jumped right into the deep end a little bit with like, how do we enter into scripture? How do we slow down with it? How do we really chew on it? Um, patterns to look for, like talking about Old Testament and forming the New Testament. Um, a lot of meat there. So what if you're, you're you want that, you want to get to the deep end, but you're kind of starting out in the kiddie pool. You know, what, what advice do you have to a young man specifically, you know, this, this, we have this show for young men in their 20s. Um, what advice would you have on that front just to even get started, to even try to make it a habit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. Um, Harry Reader, who just passed away at their church, Briarwood in um, Alabama, they would give people as they join the church a book that says seven minutes. And he said, listen, I'm not asking you to become seminary professor but when you join this church we want you to spend seven minutes a day in scripture if you're not if you don't have that as a habit um and i think i don't know what the book says i haven't read it but that was really all i needed (laughs) was you know if if i don't have a habit here um cool there's stuff in the old testament but to me it's weird and long and a lot of names (laughs) okay we'll start with the book of mark it's a very simple portrayal of Jesus. It's the shortest gospel, seven minutes a day. And it's Peter's account of, of Jesus's life. And it's hard as a young guy, not to just like Peter. You have like, I'm not very much like Peter. Um, he is bold. He's certain he's always answering the question. Whenever the disciples give an answer, it's always like, and Peter said, (laughs) yes, Jesus, we know. And, and who am I? I know, I know, I know Jesus. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, yes, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my father in heaven. And if I were Peter, I would be beaming in the back row. (laughs) I just gave the answer from God. 
And then Peter immediately turned around and said, Jesus, you keep talking about dying on a cross. I need to rebuke you. You are not allowed to talk. And then Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. And you're like, oh, wait, you just called Peter Satan, the first Pope. What are you doing? So Peter is just such a relatable um, man. He's brash and bold and he's right and he's wrong. And his account of the gospel, the gospel of Mark, is just such a refreshing brief. It has all the, the essential elements that are in the other gospels, but he's always to the point until he starts telling a story. And, and Mark actually has the longest stories. If, if you have something that's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, usually Mark is going to have the longest version. So it's quick. He has all the essentials, but he also likes telling the story. So. I think I've just been, yeah, say, if you're starting a habit, I need to read the Bible. Well, the key to the Bible is Jesus. Just start with the gospel of Mark seven minutes a day. So why would it be seven minutes a day, not 14 minutes every other day or something like that? Yeah, because of a habit. Um, Again, what you do every day is what becomes natural to you. And if you were to try to do, you know, Oh, there's a great quote that I heard in high school, and I will take no credit for it. Um, I'm Pastor John Snyder told me. It's from a man named Jeremy Taylor in the 1600s, and he said, If thou meanest to enlarge thy religion, do it rather by ordinary rather than extraordinary means. And that's old fancy way of saying, if you want to start a habit of reading the Bible, just do seven minutes a day. Because there are times where it's like, well, no, I'm going to be really spiritual and this is a habit I need to start. I'm going to read all of Mark's gospel today. And you might do it. But then what about tomorrow and the next day? And what you need is a habit of being in God's word that's as common to you as eating food. So I have never accidentally fasted for a whole day <laughs> because I'm hungry and I like food and then I get weak and tired and headaches and think, what's wrong with me? Oh, I didn't eat food. Well, I'm going to go take care of that. But we often do that with our souls. And so what we should be doing is eating every day. I don't just feast you know, every third day and ignore the other two days and go without eating. So it'd just be way better to have a little bit of food every day. That makes a lot of sense, and I love that analogy. So you're saying I can't intermittent fast with scripture? That's not I can't do intermittent fasting. With sure, scripture. you can every 24 hours. <laughs> also, also this is not going to age well. Um, but so the kids are always like their kids are always saying you know different slang around me, and so I'm always picking things up. And my new favorite from them is when someone says something that's like really quotable or like really good, they always say clip it, like you're like you're like you're Taking a newspaper clipping, and I think it's just a, a hilarious phrase. And as I, soon I as I don't think they mean newspaper clipping, I think Joe. copy no, and paste, I think they mean like uh, like a clip on YouTube or something. <laughs> let me let me live in my fictional world where newspapers still exist. Um, but as soon as you said that the uh, the Taylor quote, I it, instinctively and without meaning to, in my head, I went clip it, clip it, because um, I think that's that's a great that's a great quote. But it's true of anything. So if I, I play a little bit of cello and then I'll pick it up and say, I'm going to play for 45 minutes or an hour today. And then I'll pick it up again in a month. <laughs> My progress is a lot worse than someone who just picked it up 10 minutes every day for a month. So if you want to grow in something, you just do what you have, what time you have to give and do it consistently.
Well, you're, you're building on a foundation. Um, so that, that, that's a question that we asked uh, in our last episode. And, and folks, we keep referencing our last episode. We, we do two episodes, or we're doing two episodes for each of these uh, habits that we're trying to work on. Um, so the go back and listen to the last one if you want. Uh, I think it'll be beneficial uh, as well as this one. But one of the questions we asked was you know, how foundational uh, scripture reading is. And, and what, like compared to some of the other spiritual habits, uh, where would you rank scripture reading? Would you even rank them? Like, is that a terrible <laughs> thing to do? Um, I'm going to answer without thinking about it so I can think about it later and change my mind. Sounds good. I'm going to rank it as first. Um, for the same reason that God is first in, in reality, in the beginning, God, that's how our Bible starts. Well, scripture reading is input. What does God have to say to us? And anything else I do, I could be building on my own. Um, Jeremiah talks about worshiping a God of your own imagination and anything else I do with my prayer or my good works, you know, um, the UN and all sorts of like humanitarian aid agencies are way better than I am at helping people. Are they better Christians? No, they, they did not start with the foundation. So everything we do, whether it's prayer or good works or being a good husband or being a good dad or being a good employee worker, doesn't really matter what else that is. It needs to be built on God's foundation and God gets to tell us who God is. Um, so yeah, I would put Bible reading at the top of everything else uh, because the best way to prayer to pray, how do I know what to pray? Jesus taught us how to pray. We actually have an entire book of the Bible about prayer. It's the Psalms. So if you want to learn how to pray, start memorizing one Psalm and it could be a short one, <laughs> you know, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, or I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That will really enrich your prayer life. So start with scripture reading. I would put that above all the other, except going to church um, with their gathered assembly of God's people. So, but for personal habits, I would put Bible reading at the top. It's a, that's a good distinction to make the personal versus, uh, I guess, corporate habits. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I have a kind of an abstract question to tack on to the end of that one. Um, so, uh, also throw this into the category of things that probably won't age well. Um, <laughs> lately, I've I've been on a uh, a Nirvana and a Pearl Jam kick, and you know the grunge uh, rock and roll um, <laughs> zone. Um, as you know, every uh, young twenty something goes through at some point in in his life. Um, and uh, when I when I go on these kicks, as uh, you know, listeners of the show know, I get obsessive and I do deep dives, and it's ridiculous. Um, but one of the things I've been noticing is I've listened to Nirvana lyrics and Pearl Jam lyrics. And as I've, I've done some reading on them because they interest me and they're very cryptic and they're very strange. And, you know, um, Kurt Cobain and Eddie Vedders will, will say things that like strike this chord with people, but almost always whenever you ask someone to explain like, what does, you know, um, what does heart shaped box mean? you'll get like six different answers depending on who you ask, um, even from the people who wrote the song. <laughs> and I think it's really interesting because immediately after somebody says that um, and they're like, well, you know, it means whatever you want it to mean. Um, everyone's like, wow, that's really deep. 
Um, <laughs> and on the, on the one hand, like, I don't want to totally, totally dismiss that because obviously it strikes a chord with people and, and obviously there's, there's emotion behind that. Um, but as I've been thinking about those songs, I've been comparing that to scripture and at, at no point reading the Psalms, do I kind of read it and go like, well, this means something to me and this means something to you <laughs> and it's cryptic and that's how it's beautiful. But like, there's this clarity that comes with, with scripture. Um, and I guess my question is, cause I think there's a question in here. Um, how do we kind of, how do we come to the scriptures with discernment? Um, or, or maybe in a more abstract sense, you know, where does scripture get its meaning? Um, where is that foundation in scripture? I don't know if that question makes sense. Like, like not making it whatever we want it to make it kind of like, like those lyrics could be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how do we do that? How do we recognize the truth that's in scripture and, and not reduce it to, um, wow, I really love that. So I'm going to get it tattooed on my arm. Um, or God spoke to me today and he said, you know, color purple is in, you know, that kind of, (laughs) that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the Bible gives an answer there and it, Jesus said, I'm going to send you the spirit of truth. And, um, first John talks about being anointed by the spirit of truth. And Jesus said, I will guide you into all truth. There's actually, uh, there's a lot of different ways you can take this, but there is a, um, there's a meaning to the text. It isn't, you know, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean to you? Well, I think that means there, there is, Jesus is referring to an actual condition, a poverty of, of the heart. And that outrules pride. You know, we don't come to the kingdom of heaven saying, I am such a great, worthy candidate, God. You really need to bring me on. <laughs> you, you come with poverty. That's the beginning. And um, so in one sense, you can't bend that to mean anything you want. But in another sense, you know, we all have different personalities. And there's a danger that I've seen of for you to become a Christian, it has to look like this. And whatever community you're in might define that in different ways. So um it's easier to point this out, you know, a charismatic, you aren't full of the Holy Spirit until you speak in tongues. So what's the way into Christianity? Well, we'll know you're in when you start speaking in tongues. Okay, but we're Presbyterian. The way in is reading theology books and quoting Herman Bovink. And I know that you're in, if you can give me a quote from Herman Bovink. So, okay. So there is a danger of, of defining, you know, everybody has to have the same experience to, to have poverty of spirit. But regardless of these different applications, Jesus meant something when he said poor in spirit. And what he promised is, I'm going to give you the spirit to guide you in interpretation. Um, Because what philosophers and postmodern man has discovered is, if I don't have some sort of ultimate authority, then who knows? We should despair of reading and understanding any text. It's whatever I bring to the text and want to find from it. But Jesus said, let me guard you against that. I'm going to give you the third person of the Trinity to help you know what's written. Um, So one answer, that's where I would put the foundation. Another kind of side from that, uh, it says in the Psalms, a good understanding have all those who do his commandments. So do you want to know what the Bible is saying? Well, God promised to help the understanding of those who obey. 
So in one sense, you know, as long as I'm in rebellion against the author of this book, he might not show me what he's saying. <laughs> um, so obedience actually is, it, it, there's a loop of God showing me through his spirit what's written in his word, and then it begins to be written on the heart, and then there's more understanding and you grow. So That's, that's uh, yeah, be, be hearers, of, be not hearers of the word only, but doers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, James. Yeah, um, but no, but what you're saying is really, well, first off, guilty as charged. I've got Bob Inc. on my shelf. Um, <laughs> not even half. No, you're in. You're in. Man, okay. Good. <laughs> All you um, have to do is own it. <laughs> uh, but uh, it is really comforting, at, at least for me. I know growing up, it felt like, oh, you know, I, I, I didn't, I memorized the shorter catechism, but do I need to memorize like the larger catechism now? And, you know, I have, I have the, um, you know, I have the Westminster Confessions in my Bible, but then there's the Augsburg. I didn't even know about the about those until <laughs> you know. So you know, this feels like there's always one more hill to climb, and like you know, one more heresy that I'm about to stumble into. But but knowing that that you know that the Holy Spirit is there, and you know, God's gonna God's gonna protect His Word more than I am able to. That's that's a real comfort. Well, we're getting low on time. We want to respect the time that you have so graciously shared with us. Um, so just a final few questions here. Uh, Banjo, be thinking of what your last couple of questions are going to be. Um, one of mine is, though, I saw you brought a book there. Uh, what is that book? What is it a resource we should be aware of? It is a resource you should be aware of. It's R.C. Sproul on Knowing Scripture. And it really goes into the, Jonathan, your question about not only, okay, I read the Bible and checked it off as a box, which again, I'm not going to downplay that because I'm a dad with little kids and boxes help me. <laughs> and I might not read the Bible if I didn't check my box. So for all of our, like, let's go beyond that. I don't want to give a slight to checking the box and actually making sure you, you did read the Bible. Um, but R.C. Sproul is dealing with that question of how do we know what the Bible has to say? And he wrote this in the 70s. So when he first wrote it, he said, we're just now entering the age of like the common man reading, interpreting the Bible. So basically he said, how do we actually study it and know what it has to say? So it's dealing with all those questions. Um, but it's classic R.C. Sproul. It's some of the, the best easy reading. And what I'm amazed about R.C. Sproul, when I first read him, I was in high school and someone said, you should read some R.C. Sproul. So I picked up some of his stuff and thought, Oh, this poor guy, he's not very smart. <laughs> like, it's so simple. Like, I already knew a lot of this stuff. Um, again, I was in high school, so I knew everything. And poor R.C. Sproul over here, Dr. Sproul, um, not very intelligent. And then I went to seminary, and we were diving into topics that were, you know, the same things, but really complicated. And then I came out at the end of it saying, R.C. Sproul is a genius. <laughs> Because he takes these really difficult things and makes them very simple. So I highly recommend it. Just some of the things he points out, um, one that hit me, he went through like, why don't we study the Bible? And he said, well, maybe it's, he said, what I hear from people is it's boring or it's difficult, it's confusing, it's hard to interpret. And then he kind of lambasted at the end and he said, the real problem isn't that it's dull and boring our real problem is that the Bible is work. Our problem is not a lack of intelligence or a lack of passion. Our problem is that we are lazy. And I was like, yeah, 
you, you hit it. <laughs> so that's his first chapter. And he just says, you know, you have work to do to really understand the Bible. And the more you work, the, the more, um, the more riches you begin to find. Um, in seminary, I had to write a paper on Genesis nine, the covenant with Noah. And the assignment was like 25 pages, right? 25 pages on God's covenant with Noah. And I was like, what, you want me to just like repeat myself over and over and over again? But we went to write it and um, it, it led to a debate in the seminary. All the students took different positions and we were arguing with each other, what to do with the covenant of Noah? Is this part of our salvation? Is it a um, government covenant? Anyway, we spent, I spent 40, 45 hours writing a paper on a few verses in Genesis 9 and all the other classmates did the same and at the end of it, I just said, I have more questions about it than I did before I started. Wow. So we just all came away so thankful for the, the depth of scripture where there's no end if you really start doing your work. But R.C. Sproul, Knowing Scripture is a really good book. It's a never-ending task to dig in, it sounds <laughs> yeah. like. Yeah. Banjo, you looked like you were about to say something there. No, just that... Uh, that I love that experience of, of stepping into something and thinking like, well, you know, 25 pages, what am I, what am I going to say? <laughs> um, and then just coming out of it. And, and I love the, yeah, even, even seminary students always have more questions going into scripture, Way going more. Into scripture than when they came in. Um, I, I just have so much to chew on. I think from the last, you know, hour basically that uh, I don't, I don't have like a real bombshell question for the end. Um, just kind of like a left field one. Um, is there any, um, is there ever a book or a movie or, or, or a piece of art that you've read or you've seen, or you've come across that, um, affected the way that you read scripture, um, sparked your imagination in a way that you hadn't seen before or illuminated something to you that you hadn't expected? Oh, I wish I had a specific that I could think of right now. Um, there have been so many that have affected my reading of scripture, though. Uh, in undergrad, we, we did, uh, it was a liberal arts school, but we also did kind of the great books tradition um, in addition to theology. But what I learned from all the books that we were reading, and, you know, fiction does this. I, no one writes English better than J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> um the hands of the king will be a hands of the healer. I mean, they're just these incredible phrases from Tolkien. Uh, the tree of Gondor that's there, this planet that's like a tree of life. Um, just reading literature and even pagan philosophers, um, really just reading great literature from any time period, and Christian or non-Christian, it makes you think and wrestle and deal with reality and life. Um, and then when you come to scripture, it helps you know how to read a book because really that's when you're asking all these questions about how do we not go untethered, you know, this Bible means whatever I want it to mean, or how do I get more than just, I checked off a box. You're asking, you know, God spoke to me through a book. How do I hear God's voice carefully? And, you know, all those things in, in literature, art, music, they really, help you listen to what people are communicating. So I can't think of a specific though. I wish that's a really good question and I will come up with an answer later. <laughs> uh, I'll be, I'll be wrestling with that though. No, those are about, some great, great examples. 
do you have any specifics that have helped you with like understanding of scripture? Uh, well, probably like yourself, um, many, um, I'm, I, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now and, and just thinking of what's on my, just on my mind. I mean, we're talking about, uh, you know, the Godfather, you just in, in passing reference, I feel like that's a movie that, that, um, like, I, I feel like I come away from that movie with new eyes for Saul. Um, and, mm-hmm. and what's in Saul's mind as he's doing these things, um, or even Cain and Abel, um, as, mm-hmm. as there's these bro- brothers that are struggling together. Um, I think Faulkner's Sound and the Fury um, is, if, if, if you've never read it at Easter, do yourself a favor and, and pick that one up around Easter time, because um, it's a surprisingly uh, helpful read in, in that department. Uh, obviously, like, yeah, Tolkien is, is a great one. Um, probably most recently Beowulf for me, um, seeing Beowulf go down into the depths to fight Grendel Mm -hmm. and, and seeing the way that he, you know, takes, takes faith as his shield. Um, you know, and, and as I've been studying Beowulf recently, really seeing that story as, um, it's a, it's a story that's told, I think, as a way to help early British Christians, uh, realize that that god is their rock and he's going to be stronger than the pagan demons that are Mm. around them that's Um, awesome and and seeing that story and then applying it to david and applying it uh to see how christ fights on our behalf and even just how it you know that that courage and that bravery is passed on from generation to generation um i think that one's been really encouraging to me of late so jj you ever have that experience y'all stole all mine um, <laughs> we, we said token and he didn't have anything left. exactly <laughs> y'all know Tolkien's my, my go-to um there's yeah we could we could go down that path for a long time i i really liked you talking about beowulf there have you read tolkien's translation of beowulf yet not yet i have the Seamus haney one but that's it you got to read his translation it's it's yeah it's interesting uh and, and there's some really cool stuff going on there that other other folks haven't done um Anyway, so uh, my last question um, would be: if you're if you're talking to, we, we kind of already touched on the new guy trying to figure out how you get into this habit of scripture. Um, but let the, the final question is: if you are uh, someone new getting into scripture, what is one thing you do? And if you're someone that's been you've had this habit for years, um, and you've been in scripture every day since you were a kid. And, and you've just been delving into it, uh, where would you tell them to look next? So kind of two, two parts of that question. But Yeah. Um, for the per- new person who's just starting, find a friend or a group of friends from church and hold each other accountable mm-hmm. and just say, all right, I want you to ask me next week how many times I read scripture. Or um, one thing that some friends here have done is starting a text group and just sending like a thumbs up every day that you read scripture. And so you're getting these notifications throughout the day, like, oh, they're reading the Bible. I forgot to read it today. And you might get them, most of them come in the morning, but then a random one comes in the afternoon and one might come at night. So it's just reminders of, okay, we need to hold each other accountable and walk. I'm not meant to live as a Christian by myself. So don't try. (laughs) Have other people come alongside and say, listen, I want to be reading the Bible every day. I haven't been. I'd like to start, I want you to help me, or let's do this together. So that's what I would recommend if you're starting. If you've been doing it a long time, 
Um, what I would recommend is if you make sure you're reading the Old Testament, <laughs> and when you're reading things that you think, you know, I've I've read this story a lot. It's disturbed me. There there are disturbing things in the Bible. Um, I'm reading through Genesis right now, and the story of Lot's daughters. It's the the whole story: Sodom, Gomorrah, Lot, Lot's daughters. It's just whoa. This there's a lot of disturbing stuff in the Bible. If you have things like that, or you know, now I'm in the Minor Prophets. I'm in the Book of Nahum, and Nahum his name means compassion or mercy, and it's about God destroying Nineveh. What? <laughs> Or, you know, so if you have these problem passages in the Bible and you've been reading the Bible for a long time, I would slow down and look for a commentary or some book dealing with the question that you have and say, I need help with the minor prophets. Who wrote some good books on the minor prophets? Or what's a commentary have to say about that? Or, you know, start getting into not only doing the reading of scripture, but okay, what's the outline of the book of Deuteronomy? And that really might help you <laughs> just to give a hint. It's the Ten Commandments. So the book of Deuteronomy starts out with an opening of a covenant. And as you go through each chapter, you have all these like, why are all these purity laws here? Well, you're dealing with one of the commandments. You're dealing with, you have all these dates and Sabbaths and things to keep. Well, you're in the fourth commandment. You're So just start learning more about what's going on in the Bible. If you've been reading it for a long time, you know, dive deeper. You're never going to reach the bottom. <laughs> so keep going. That's awesome. Appreciate it. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add? I should have asked if there was like any final thing that we missed. That um, there's one thing on like, why don't we read scripture? That's a really good. And really I would reduce that to um, the flesh, the world and the devil. Like mm -hmm. I put it in every category of, Laziness is our flesh. The world, this is always like, oh, what's, always on, <laughs> what's always going on? Your on? Screens, yeah. Yeah. And that's the distractions of the world. Like, it's amazing. When I have to do sermon prep, I will have a thousand things distract me before I sit down and do it. It's, hmm. oh, I've got to, oh, my, my pen's out of ink. And, oh, I left my glasses over here. And, oh, this guy just called. And it's like, why can't I sit down and prepare a sermon? <laughs> why is that the hardest thing? To do all day um well the world and then spiritual warfare like mm. there's an attack on bible reading so. regularly yep that's really good anything to say banjo anything to add no just uh, this has been a fantastic conversation thanks so much for taking the time and and yeah i'm, I'm going to be chewing on this for for quite a while this and this in our last episode it's going to be like like jj said earlier a lot of meat on these bones a lot of meat I've really enjoyed it, Jamie. Thanks yeah, for Yeah, thank you, today. guys. Happy to. This has been the Forging Honor Podcast. Music and production is by Elliot George. For more information about what we do or to learn how to get involved, visit our website at forginghonor.com. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to like, subscribe, and give us a rating to bring others into the Forging Honor journey. On our website, you'll find information on how to do the challenges alongside us, as well as links to the many resources we mentioned in the show. And we do make a small amount from any purchases you make through our website links, so thank you in advance. Thanks for taking the time with us today. We hope you'll take up the work alongside us and join us in the task of Forging Honor. We'll see you next time.